1: productions presents brass the audio series episode 32 cassocks and codes the year is 1886 but not one that would be familiar to you while the Paris of our world does indeed have macabre catacombs that lie beneath the city it never to our knowledge ever witnessed a sight so strange as Cyril Brass and Lord Whitestone dripping wet from a near-death occupancy of a well and three men in dark robes who moments before pulled them through a wall of skulls into safety. So,
2: <laughs>
3: thank you for the rescue. Might I ask, who are our rescuers? Apologies. Formal introductions are, of course, in order. I am Father Reynald, and this is Brother Thomas and Brother Joseph. You do not look
2: like brothers. His hair is very red. I believe they mean brothers in a holy
3: order. That is correct, gentlemen. We are three Jesuit priests engaged in the pursuit of academic knowledge and the promotion of God's wisdom. That
2: sounds very noble. It does. But why were you pursuing academic knowledge and promoting God's wisdom deep in the crypts below Montmartre Cemetery? We do
3: occasionally have other duties that take us into unconventional places and situations.
1: How fortunate for us. I am Lord
2: Whitestone, and this is my friend, Cyril... Just call me Cyril. Oh, Simon. Let's go with Simon. Now, again, thank you. But might I ask the nature of your current duties and why they involved the pistols I see you have holstered?
3: Thomas, an enemy of our enemy is most likely a friend. Very well, gentlemen. We are also apostolic nuncios, charged by His Holiness, Pope Leo XIII, to deliver an important message to the Archbishop of Canterbury.
4: That is fascinating.
3: Why are you here, however? As you may know, Recent political changes in England have made travel across Le Manche more challenging in recent months, particularly for Jews, Muslims, and if not all Catholics, then certainly Catholic priests. In investigating how to best make a trip undetected by officials, we learned that Le Tomberois, or as you know him, The Graveyard King, is deeply involved in smuggling various illicit goods to and from England. Smuggling? How is he doing that? I think I can guess. He's
2: using coffins, isn't he?
3: Exactement. And what he's smuggling is... drugs, liquor, stolen merchandise, and we suspect even more unsavory items between England and the continent. So
1: that explains the grave
3: switching that we saw earlier. Raymond, from what we have learned, he has defiled this cemetery. By replacing many of the resting dead with contraband materials, which are stored beneath the sod. Using a cemetery as a smuggler's warehouse? How truly macabre. Macabre indeed. Why have you gentlemen not contacted the Paris police with your findings? We shall, in due time. But for now, we intend to use his channels and smuggle ourselves over to England.
2: And to the Archbishop. That is right. Do you know this Archbishop, Cyril Brass? Uh, S- uh, slightly. He spoke at my
3: funeral. Sacre blue? You are Cyril Brass?
2: Yes, but keep it under your cassock. Hmm. Is that what that is?
3: <laughs> C'est vrai. Hmm.
2: Good looking vestments. What do you shop?
3: The Holy Church provides our cassocks.
2: <laughs> That's convenient. Well, whoever's designing their cassocks should be commended, and perhaps hired. Very stylish, and those daggers are lovely. We must leave now.
3: My brother is right. Gentlemen, Le Tombarois may be sending someone down the well at any time to retrieve
1: your bodies. Let us instead bring them to the surface. Follow me. Early the next morning, Nikola Tesla and Gwendolyn Brass are seated at a table on which is set a wooden board bedecked with a collection of spooled and coiled wires, metal clasps, and more esoteric items Tesla finishes the final adjustment with a miniature screwdriver. We are done.
5: Are you sure?
0: We still require an etheric battery for confirmation, but according to my mental schematics, this is a working unit.
5: Oh, thank goodness. Because after working on this all night, I don't think I am.
0: Good morning. How goes it? Well, thank you, Mr. Abraham. Were you able to acquire more coffee? I was. And
1: you seem to enjoy those latkes I brought earlier.
0: They are wonderful. Potatoes must be eaten at least once a day to counteract the acidic nature of other foods.
1: Uh, where's Mr. Crawford?
5: Asleep in the mats you've got stored in the back. As soon as we're done here, that's where I'm heading.
1: Assumed you might all be staying for a bit, so I've arranged to lease a set of rooms downstairs. Not much to look at, but serviceable.
0: As long as there is access to potable water, a hand basin, and carbolic soap, I should be able to make do. Well,
1: that's simple enough.
0: And
5: the 18 hand towels each morning?
1: Uh, Fortunately, my Aunt Mabel takes in washing.
5: Dan, thank you. A bed sounds wonderful. But first, Mr. Tesla, can you recall the frequency that you used in your original experiments? Of course.
0: But I believe that particular wavelength is ineffective for the sort of long-range transmission required to reach your father.
5: You're right. He's up at 1,200 kilohertz.
0: Yes, that makes sense.
5: Still, I need you to replicate your earlier transmission frequency.
0: 680 kilohertz, I
5: believe, but why? I'm sorry, what are we talking about? Wireless communication, Dan, via Mr. Tessa's quite remarkable device.
1: Oh? How's it work?
0: It really is quite simple. We produce an oscillation of electric current, in this case, alternating current, to a particular vibration of over 20,000 cycles per second, which creates a series of invisible waves. Through these invisible waves, we may broadcast sounds, and given the proper audio transformer working as a modulator, even the human voice, or music, which may be heard on one of any number of receiving devices.
1: Oh.
5: It's a bit like a telephone, but with no wires needed.
1: A little clearer. Very well. What do we do next?
5: We rustle up another battery, and then we try Mr. Tesla's device out.
1: How about I do the battery rustling, and you, Miss Brass, get some sleep?
5: All right. But wake me up when you found a battery.
1: My Uncle Ernie is in the battery reconditioning business. I'll have it in an hour.
5: Oh, Lord. Wake me up in an hour and a half. I am beat.
1: Two hours later, in a cellar room of the fashionable townhouse of Professor Eric Von Hoffman, lies the recumbent form of Ponder Wright, the mechanical detective. From the exquisite plate that covers the left side of his face, there is a single blue spark, and his right eye opens. He slowly rolls to a sitting position on the small pallet, realizing two things. His left mechanical arm is tethered to a chain set in the wall, and his mechanical legs have been removed from his body.
4: Wake at last.
3: Where am I?
4: A cell, somewhat improvised. A storage room, originally. I'd been meaning to turn it into a subsidiary wine cellar, but, you know, only so many hours in a day. I realize, given the potential strength of your mechanical arm, it's possible you might be able to free yourself. I would argue against it, not least because I have your mechanical legs, as well as the needle gun I am currently holding. Now, tell me the code that I need in speaking to Lord Brass. Suppose this is where you threaten me with torture. It won't work, you know. When you had that current going through me, I wanted to die, and I would have told you anything to make it stop, whether it was a lie or the truth. It is true that in the greater number of cases, subjecting someone to physical pain does little but establish your ability to do so. But let me explain what I shall do here, Mr. Wright. The needle that this gun fires has been tipped with Karare at a rate sufficient to paralyze your physical body. Oh, don't worry. I'm very good at working out this sort of thing with precision. What's the point of that? My first order of business will be to complete returning you to your native human state. From what I understand, nearly every part of you that is mechanical is not necessary to keep your heart pumping, your blood flowing, and your brain functional. Therefore, I will remove all of these unnecessary elements. Then, making sure that you have survived this, I will begin replacing these mechanical limbs with ones that I find curious or entertaining, or grotesque. Imagine looking down to where you once saw a finely articulated arm, and seeing now, welded with much care, some spastic piston pulled from a piece of rubbish near a foundry's hearth. My brother's surgeons- Are all, I believe, under house arrest, and will be transferred to the Ministry of Science. Remarkable men even though they wouldn't have much of a chance of putting Ponta together again. When I am done with you, you'll send children screaming. Well, no need for bombast. It is early in the day. I'll be back this evening to have your answer. Looking down
1: at where his legs regularly reside, the man known as the mechanical detective lays back on the pallet and feels a swell of deep despair, unknown to any machine. What do I do?
4: What do I do? What do I do?
5: Ponder. Ponder right. Ponder right. If you can hear this message, please listen carefully. Dear friend, it's Gwendolyn. We do so hope you can hear this message. Mr. Tussle says he You should be able to hear it. That's right. I'm with Mr. Tesla and Dan. We're all free and safe. And oh, my friend, if you're listening to this, soon we'll have you free too. Now listen carefully. I need you to give a different alphanumeric code. This one is DR7ZT9E12B78RN. Again,
1: that's TR7. A different code? To what effect? Will the substitution not be discovered by the villainous von Hoffman and lead to further torture of our captive friend? And what is next for Gwendolyn and her companions, including the phenomenal Nikola Tesla? And how will an ecumenical mission to the Archbishop of Canterbury affect the fortunes of Cyril Brass? So many questions, so many answers to come in the continuing story of the first family of the realm, Brass. Brass is manufactured by Battleground Productions and features Kate Cray as Lady Brass, Charles Leggett as Lord Brass, Catherine Grant Sutty as Gwendolyn Brass and Jeremy Adams as Cyril Brass, with Larry Albert, Dennis Bateman, Margie Bickman, Lisa Carswell, Amy Decker, Nancy Fry, Ronnie Hill, Philip Keeman, John Longenbar, Matt Middleton, Terry Edward Moore, Tad Morgan, and Nikki Vissel. Brass was recorded at Jack Straw Studios, engineered by Joel Maddox, with sound design by Kirsty Gilmore, and music composed by Bruce Monroe. It was written and directed by John Longenbaugh. For more information on Dross, go to battlegroundproductions.org, find us on Facebook and Instagram, and to support us, fund us on Patreon and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts.